What's up? Second Chance Church, we're so excited. I want to say welcome to everybody who is watching online today. If you're in the southeast, maybe you, you just reined in because a monsoon happened, which is God washing our car, well, God washing all the pollen off our car, so we should be thankful. I want to say hello to LifeSpring up in Tennessee, our partner church. Hey, guys up in Tennessee, hope you guys are doing great. I want to say hello to the people actually in the room. Hope everybody had a good week. Um, we got Carly married off yesterday. Carly and Zach got married. So excited for them. And somebody asked me, they were like, you think Carly and Zach will be watching on Sunday morning? No. <laughs> They're married. What? Are, anyway, anyway, not, that's enough about that. That's enough about that. So super excited about this particular series. And um, the series is called He's Up to Something. He's Up to Something. And we're going to pick off, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, but in order to kind of set this week up, I'm going to need to talk about something that a lot of people watching will connect with, and others watching are going to have to go Google this to find out if it's really true. Today we're going to talk about progress, and in talking about progress, I want to start with this idea of the cell phone. Now, I'm 46 years old, was born in 1971, I've been around for a while, and so I can remember the first cell phone I ever saw, not heard about, not read about, saw with my own two eyes. And, and you're going to believe me, it wasn't a cell phone. You remember what it was called at first? Car phone. It wasn't a cell phone, it was a car phone. There was actually a time where you took your car to a, a cell phone shop and they installed, they, they put screws and bolts and they bolted the, the phone into your car. The first one I ever saw in my life was 1984. 1984 is the first car phone I ever saw. My dad owned a gas station. A salesman, who obviously wasn't from Easley, South Carolina, had pulled in. He was having some problems with his car. He had a CB. Some of you don't even know what a CB is. I had a CB and a CB handle. Thank you very much. Um, and he had a cell phone. And I was like, he told me what the cell phone or the car phone was. And he said, you can actually call people on the telephone from the car. And so I told him he was a liar. I was a little bit skeptical. And so he let me make a phone call on the car phone. And it sounded like I was talking in a drum or whatever, but it was so cool and it was 1984. Now, cell phones made progress because after the car phone was the bag phone. Now the bag phone, some of you might remember a bag phone. A bag phone was the size of a small toddler. And you had to work out to carry the bag phone. And, but, and a few people actually had bag phones, but you, if it, it sat in your car, but if you had some, somebody important that was going to call, you took the bag phone with you. Now, it costs like $18 a minute to talk on the bag phone. But I remember being at a Clemson game and seeing somebody with a bag phone in front of me and thinking, this must be an important person. This must be a very important person because they brought a bag phone. It was inconceivable to me that somebody would actually take a cellular device with them somewhere. Couldn't believe it. Well, after that, after the bag phone, came what I call the brick phone. Now, the brick phone was about this big. If you ever watched Saved by the Bell, it's the phone that Zach Morris had. It was about this big, and people tried to put it in their pocket to look cool, and it never looked cool. After the brick phone, phones started getting smaller and smaller till eventually there was one called a StarTac. It was really small. And then there was the Razor, which was awesome for about two seconds. Um, and then there was the phone with the keyboard because we actually started texting. And then, then was the BlackBerry. Now, I saw a BlackBerry the other day, which was kind of like looking at a dinosaur. I didn't even think they made them anymore, but they, obviously they do. And if you have a BlackBerry, you probably have a pet T-Rex too. But I, there was a BlackBerry, 
And I remember the first time somebody told me about a BlackBerry, they said, you can do email on your cell phone. And then my, my reaction was, why in the world would you want to do email from a cellular device? Because that was, that was just inconceivable to me. And after the BlackBerry came the Droid, and then after the Droid came God's chosen instrument, the iPhone, right? This is, this is what I have. Now, you got to understand, this right here, my iPhone, this idea was inconceivable in 1984 when I first saw my first cell phone. So, no matter who you are, no matter what your, what your belief is in God or Jesus or religion or whatever, you got to agree that when it comes to cell phones, we have definitely made some progress. Because, go back to that illustration I shared earlier about the guy in Clemson with the bag phone. If you saw somebody walking around today in the mall with a bag phone, you wouldn't think, oh my gosh, there's a very important person. No, you start pulling your kids closer to you, right? Because obviously this person, something's wrong with them if they're still carrying a bag phone because we've made significant progress. Well, today I want to talk about how to make or making spiritual progress. I want to talk about what it's like to take another step forward in our walk with Jesus. Because, listen, the goal of Christianity, the goal of Christianity is not perfection. It's progress. The goal of Christianity is not perfection. It's progress. Now, I want to pause and just kind of say to people, anytime I say that, people love to throw Matthew 5, 48 in front of me where Jesus said, be perfect because your heavenly Father is perfect. He was saying that to a group of people in order to prove to them that they could not be perfect, thus they needed Him. So, when it comes to Christianity, and oh, and by the way, by the way, we'll get more into this in a few weeks. Two steps forward and then one step back is still one step forward. That means it's progress. So the goal when it comes to following Christ is not perfection, because if it is, we're all screwed. It's progress. Now let's pick up where we left off last week. Um, real quick review for everybody, whether you watched last week or whether you didn't get to watch or whatever. We started out last week in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, and we said Jesus was preaching by the seaside, the Sea of Galilee, and there were crowds of people all around him, right? And, and Peter was over here washing his nets, and he had fished all night, and he hadn't caught anything. He was tired and frustrated, maybe a little confused. And so Jesus gets in his boat. Remember, we talked about basically carjacked Peter's boat and said, let me use your boat to teach the people. And Peter, we said that the key to Jesus using Peter, the first key we said last week was Peter was available. Peter was available, and ultimately, ultimately, this is the big idea that's going to go through this whole series, Jesus used Peter to change the world. And it all started with, can I use your boat? But today, it goes to the next level. We take another step. We're going to make some progress. If you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 4. We're going to pick up verse 4. Here we go. When he, meaning Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, I want to pause real quick because that like half verse right there is loaded. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, if you're a note taker or you like to write things down, you like to review things, there's two specific things I want to point out in this verse. There's two types of revelation. Revelation 
is when we hear from God, when we hear something from God. And there's two types of revelation when it comes to hearing from God. Here we go. Number one is general revelation. And number two is specific revelation. Yes, I'll say that again. Number one is general revelation. And number two is specific revelation. And we see that in this text. When he had finished speaking to who? To everybody. General revelation. He said to Simon. Did he say to everybody? No. He said to Simon, meaning specific revelation. Now, when it comes, when it comes to God speaking, there's just some things he says that generally we don't even really have to pray about. We just know what God's will is because of the totality of what the scriptures say. For example, for example, let's say you're like me and you have anger issues when it comes to traffic and somebody cuts you off. You don't have to say, God, should I hit the gas, ram them, put it in reverse, back up, put it in drive, ram them again, put it, I've thought about this, put it in reverse, back up, put it in drive, ram, we don't have to pray about that. You know why? Because the, the answer is no. Now, once again, every once in a while, you'll meet a hardened skeptic that says, it doesn't say in the Bible you shouldn't hit people with your car. Okay, there's a real good reason for that. When the Bible was written, they didn't have cars, right? <laughs> or camels or, or what? I don't know how that worked. But because of the numbers and numbers of scriptures that talk about the grace and the kindness and the mercy of God, we know that ramming people with our car, that's just general revelation. Shouldn't do that, right? Or let's say you're leaving the grocery store today and you're walking to your car and you've had a good week and somebody comes up to you and says, looks like you've had a rough week. Um, I want to give you a hit of crystal meth for free. Like nobody has to pray about that. Like, okay, okay, let me make a pro-con list. Pro, um, next few hours will be interesting. Con, probably lose another job. Um, like, like, we don't have to do that, right? It's, it's just no. Now, once again, there's not a verse in the Bible that says don't smoke, crack, and don't do crystal meth. But because of the totality of Scripture, we can conclude because of God's general revelation and all through the Scripture. God has, God has what I call red lights and green lights. Red lights and green lights. God says, don't need to do these things. God says, yes, you can do these things, right? A lot of people think the Bible is just a bunch of red lights. But it's red lights and green lights. And God is always speaking. God is speaking through Scripture. I don't know about you, but to me, to me, every time I see a sunrise, I'm reminded of the Scripture in Lamentations where it says, His mercies are made new every single morning. Every time I stand in front of the ocean, I'm reminded, I'm really small right now. I'm really small. God's really big. God is always speaking. General revelation. There's a lot of stuff that God has said that we simply don't need to pray about. So when he had finished speaking, then the Bible says in Luke 5, 4, he said to Simon. So in other words, he's speaking to the crowd, but then he pauses and speaks specifically to Simon. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard God speak to you or not. I have. I, I've never heard his voice audibly. Some people say they have heard him audibly. I'm not here to argue whether they have or haven't. I personally hope I don't ever hear him audibly because it'd probably 
scare me, like really scare me because I get freaked out real easy and because he loves me and knows me, he's probably just not going to yell at me. Um, but, but I know that God does speak specifically to people. I know he's spoken specifically to me. In fact, when I was um, praying about this church, well, let me, let me back up. I knew God wanted me to start this church, but I didn't know what he wanted me to name it. And I was like, man, I'm all about the name and you got to get it just right. And it's not just right or whatever. And I was like, God, what do you want? Because, and I wrote down all kinds of names on pieces of paper that just, they were nice names, but they, none of them were like, yes. I was driving down the road. I was praying about it. I just wasn't even thinking about it, but I was, I was praying about, all right, God, my next time I sit down with a pad and pen, you're going to have to show me what you want. And God spoke into my heart, Second Chance Church. Now, once again, I didn't hear it audibly, but I know it was God because I'm not smart enough to come up with that by myself. I know it was God, but I asked him for an explanation, right? I was like, okay, God, that never really heard of that. And God just kind of started reminding me because of my own story and because of the stories that I've heard from so many people that there are so many people in this world that really do love God and really do love Jesus, but really don't feel welcomed in church because of the fact that we've blown it so bad. God says, I want you to create an environment for them. Recently, I had somebody ask me, um, or he said to me, you know some people will not come to your church because it's called Second Chance Church. And I'm like, we're not for them. We'll talk more about that next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Don't miss next week. We're going to have a lot of fun. Anyway, so God speaks generally, and God speaks specifically. Now, there's a lot of people that are like, okay, how do I hear the voice of God? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus spoke to Peter specifically after Peter had simply made himself available. Jesus spoke to Peter specifically after Peter had made himself available. That's why we talked about last week, making ourselves available to God is such an important step. Available, maybe it's a daily devotion time or a quiet time, or maybe it's when you're in your car and your commute and you've got some worship music on or whatever. I'm not here to dictate how to make yourself available to God. I just, one of the things I say all the time is find out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus. And when you figure that out, just do that a lot. Peter was available and general revelation goes to specific revelation, right? When we make ourselves available, God actually becomes more audible. Let me say it again. When we make ourselves available, God actually becomes more audible. Now Luke 5, 4 says this. We hadn't even got through the first verse yet. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now this is, this is not good news for Peter. Okay, Peter was out... Peter lived in a village called Capernaum. Capernaum was a fishing village. Everybody in the village knew about fishing. They're all on the shore. Remember the crowd was on the shore? So Jesus turns to Peter and says, put out into deep water for a catch. Couple problems. Number one, you did not fish during the day. You fished at night. Number two, you didn't fish in deep water. You fished in shallow water. So Jesus is asking Peter to do something that on the surface level doesn't make any sense. 
In fact, Peter, Peter probably thought, and I've thought this before, maybe you've felt this way before when it comes to God speaking to you, he's kind of he's setting me up for failure. He's setting me up to be embarrassed. He's setting me up, he's setting me up to look bad. It, honestly, when I was reading through this, it reminded me of when um, I was a kid, I went to Christian school, a private school, um, and I was on a first name basis with the principal, like because of the paddlings I got. We didn't have AD, ADD medicine when I was a kid, um, and so I, I always got in trouble. And one of the reasons I got in trouble was I always talked during chapel. Now, I hated chapel. Chapel was awful. Um, every Wednesday, they'd bring us into the chapel, play an organ music, and we'd say some, sing some songs and say some pledges, and then they would always have a really boring speaker. Well, one week, we go into chapel, and the, the entire stage was set up like a game show. And the high school seniors at this private school, I think there were two, um, but the high school seniors were kind of doing this game show theme. And they said, um, we're going to ask, they, they were kind of setting it up, and they said, what we're going to do is we're going to get five contestants from the audience to come on stage, and we're going to ask you questions. And my first thought was, I'm not making this up, dear God, not me, not me, dear God, not me, because I hated crowds, and I couldn't answer questions, and I just wasn't very smart. I'm not making this up. The first name they called was me. And I, I started asking God to like come back, take my life, whatever. So I go on stage and I'm standing there feeling like the biggest idiot in the world. And I, I figure they're about to make me look bad. This is to make me look bad. This is to punish me. And then they called four other idiots on stage with me. So me and the four other idiots are standing there. And they said, we're going to ask you a question and if you answer this question right, and I, I kind of zoned out after I didn't hear anything because I'm figuring I'm not going to get this question right. And the guy asked me, he said, who are the five most important people when it comes to the foundation of our nation? I had no idea. He leans down and whispers in my ear, say, Mr. Coffee. Now, Mr. Coffee was the principal. And I, I'm not sure he was around when the nation was founded, but I'm pretty sure his wife was. In fact, I'm pretty sure his wife babysat Jesus. She was a little old. And all I knew how to do was what he told me to do. So I said, Mr. Coffee. And buzzers went off and bells went off and like everybody clapped and cheered. And he said, hold out your hand. And I held out my hand and he put five $1 bills in my hand and then gave me a humongous, y'all remember those really big sugar daddies? Gave me a humongous sugar daddy. I remember going home, trying to explain to my mom and dad where I got $5 and a sugar daddy from. I got it in chapel, right? They thought I'd stole it. Anyway, we had an interesting, but the whole point of that story is I thought I was being set up for failure when in actuality, I was being set up for success. Peter probably thought in this story that he's being set up for failure when he's actually being set up for success. When Jesus asks us to do things, it's not because he's trying to set us up for failure or to look bad. He's wanting, listen, this, when he's told Peter, hey, put out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch, that wasn't a command. It was an invitation. A lot of people think that Jesus is issuing commands. Jesus, in this text, is actually issuing an invitation to step into something greater than Peter could have ever imagined. But it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. 
But then one of the questions that somebody asked me years ago, and I wrote down, and I've asked it so many times, where in the Bible does God ever ask anyone to do anything easy or that made sense? I mean, if it's easy and it makes sense, it doesn't require any faith. So Jesus is looking at Peter. And he said, hey, put into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Luke 5, 5, I love this. Simon answered, Master. Real important word right there, Master. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now, there are some phrases that when we say them, we don't actually mean them. I was thinking about that this week. Like if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, listen, with all due respect, right, right there, right there, you know that what they're about to hit you with has nothing to do with respect. They just said with all due respect to make them feel better about the fact that they're about to highly disrespect you, right? We've all said that to people, right? It just makes us feel better. Or, 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 I love this. Don't, don't take this personally. Which, right there, they're about to call your baby ugly. Right there. There's no way around it. When they tell you don't take this personally, it doesn't mean. Well, in this, in this story right here, Simon calls Jesus master, which is a sign of respect. Because if Jesus is really master, it doesn't require a conversation. You just do what he tells you to do. But Simon calls Jesus master, which at this point in the story is a sign of respect. He respected Jesus. He just wasn't quite sold out to what Jesus wanted. And I, I get it because it didn't make sense. He said, master, we've worked hard. Translation, we worked. You didn't. Like while you were counting sheep, hanging with the sheep, creating sheep, right? While you were with the sheep, we were with the fish. Actually, we weren't with the fish because we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Simon was given pushback. And for understandable reasons, after all, after all, after all, ask yourself the question that he was asking himself. What could Jesus possibly know about fish? He created them. I think that's hugely ironic. But a lot of times, a lot of times I think, and I know I've done this, I'm, I'm sure maybe you've done this before, we will say the right things about Jesus, but when it comes to really taking that step of faith and doing what he wants us to do, we're not quite sure. But understand this, understand this. Jesus wasn't trying to punish Peter. He was trying to set Peter up for progress. And when God speaks to us, whether it's general revelation or whether it's specific revelation, He's not trying to punish us. He's trying to set us up so we can take one more step in our faith journey with Him. It has nothing to do with a setback. It has everything to do with a setup for something that's way better than anything we could have ever imagined. Peter, he's like, I'm, I'm going to respect him. Luke 5, 5, pick it up again. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. Now, I can't prove this. This is what I think. This is, I, this is what I really think. Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. What happened between, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, and, but because you say so, I will let down the nets? Like, to me, that's an incomplete story. Something had to happen between this sentence and this sentence, because right here, Peter's saying no, and right here, Peter's saying 
Yes. And what I think is Jesus just smirked. He just had a smile on his face. Kind of like the smile I told you about last week that my dad had when he came in and waked me up and told me to get up, let's go, and he went and got me donuts, right? He just had a smile on his face, and Peter was like, there's something about this man. Because understand, Peter, at this point, he had not seen Jesus walk on water. He had not seen Jesus, like, bring Lazarus back from the dead. Peter had not seen Jesus calm a storm. He didn't know what Jesus was capable of. But when Jesus said, put the, put the net, let's, let's go out a little bit deeper, let's, let's put down the nets for a catch, and he, I just think he paused and he smiled at Peter, and Peter said, but because you say so. In other words, I don't know everything there is to know about this man, but I trust him. And over time, and I'm just going to tell you, I've been following Jesus now for 28 years. Over time, Jesus' track record is absolutely amazing. Mine sucks, but his is absolutely amazing. Because over and over and over again, you see he's able. The other day I was in the gym, and um, I don't know if you know this about guys in the gym, but we watch each other because we like to compete. And so if one guy lifts a certain amount of weight, we'll try to lift that weight. Well, this guy, um, I added the weight up in my mind because I, I can do weight math in the gym, and he had about 675 pounds on the bar, and he was getting ready to squat it. Now, if I tried to squat 675 pounds, I'm just going to tell you, as soon as I brought it off the bar, it would drive me straight through the ground. Like I would want, I would be in China. I'd be like, hey, what's up? I mean, I, there's no way. And so I automatically got really nervous for this guy. Now he had some people spotting him. Thank God he didn't ask me. I couldn't have spotted him. And I watched him and, I'm, and he goes all the way down. I'm not going to try to do the squat, but he goes all the way down, comes back up. And then he goes for rep number two, all the way down, comes back up. I was worried about him, but once I saw he could do it, now when I go in the gym and watch him squatting, like the other day he was squatting 500, I was like, oh my gosh, he could probably curl 500. Like it's easy. I don't worry about him as much. It's the same way with Jesus. Here's the question. When it comes to Jesus, when is the last time he really let you down? Now, notice I didn't ask you when's the last time he didn't give you what you wanted. Like when's the last time? He really let you down. He might let us, our, the reason we get let down by Jesus is because he doesn't do what we want him to do. Like Peter would have just preferred to go back to the shore. But if Peter does what he wants, he never steps into the immeasurably more that Jesus has for him. So, because you say so, I will. And he goes out, Luke 5, 6 says this, when they had done so, not when they had prayed about it, not when they had everyone's approval, not when they had a meeting, not after Jesus promised them incredible results. Notice this. Jesus didn't say, put out the net, let's put out a little deeper, put down your nets, you're going to have an incredible catch. He just said, let's go give it a shot. And so when they had done so, they caught such a large number of, fish 
that their nets began to break. One more time. This was not a command by Jesus. It was an invitation. And when Peter stepped into the invitation that Jesus had issued, he caught in five minutes with Jesus what he couldn't catch all night by himself. And in this moment, Jesus goes from being a part of, G of Peter's life to being a priority in Peter's life. And that's progress. Now, if you know the story about Peter all through the Scripture, if there's anybody that wasn't perfect, it was Peter. But at the end of the day, Peter throughout his spiritual journey just learned to take Jesus at his word, and any time he fell down, he just got back up. So, what would be that thing that God is specifically speaking to you that you simply need today to say, because you say so, I will. And when it came to starting this church, one of the things that I was nervous about is like, who is going to go on this journey with me? Like, who's going to kind of step into this? Because, you know, I, you know I, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. And when I was over in the UK last year, um, I talked to Josh and Rose. If you were at our Easter services, you got to see Josh and Rose. Um, incredible um, and just incredible people, three kids. And so I mentioned to them, hey, if I do this, you guys need to come. You, need, you guys need to come. And um, they were like, okay, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll pray about that. We'll pray about that. And some things happened, and I'll have to tell the specific story one day about everything that happened. And God set their hearts on fire to where um, several weeks ago, they put their house up for sale, and they're moving to America with their three kids. N number four is on the way, right? Rose is pregnant. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But you know why they're doing it? Because God said so. I didn't say so. I would have still loved them if they wouldn't have came. But they're willing to sell out to Jesus, and I'm absolutely convinced with all my heart that God's going to bless them in incredible ways. And God's, God's blessings aren't reserved for me or for Josh or for Rose or for you know good people, perfect people, pretty people. God's blessings are for anyone who says, you know what, because you say so, I will. Listen, this is going to be dangerous. You might not even be a Christian. Just, just take God at His word. Just ask God to help you this week. Some people are like, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think Peter was a Christian at this point. He was a non-committed person hanging out with Jesus who took Jesus at His word and wound up being somebody that Jesus used to change the world. So no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, would you just be willing to make yourself available, allow God to speak to you, and then whatever He says, take that step and let Him handle the results. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the invitation to do something unbelievable. Thank You for the invitation to step in to step into the uncomfortable so we can experience the undeniable. God, I pray for every single person right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe where you sit right now, 
You just need to pray, God, would you speak to me this week? You don't even have to be a Christian. I think he'll speak to you if you make yourself available. God, would you speak to me this week? Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. Peter eventually completely gave his life to Christ. And that's what Jesus used to change the world. And if you're here, maybe you're like, I'm not perfect. Neither was Peter. Neither am I. Neither is anybody that you know. It's not about perf perfection. It's about progression. And maybe today your next step is to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life. So if that's you, right where, you, right where you're watching, no matter where you are, if you're at Life Spring or you're in a living room with some friends or you're by yourself watching on your phone, you can just pray in your heart right now. If you want to pray and ask Jesus to come in your heart, you just pray right where you are, Jesus Christ. Right now, I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Right now, I receive that payment. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer and you're watching online, if you'll hit that little hand raise button so we'll know that you raised your, your hand. If you're at LifeSpring, if you're at LifeSpring, when John or Chad comes up to close out the service in just a few minutes, they'll tell you what you need to do. If you just pray to receive Christ at LifeSpring, you didn't cross the finish line. You just stepped out of the starting block. So far, we know that one person prayed to receive Christ online today. If you um, are watching on Facebook, shoot me an email at hello at perrynoble.com hello at perrynoble.com so we can know that you prayed to receive Christ. If you're watching online, once again, hit that hand raise. Another one just went up. So we got two people that prayed to receive Christ today. Super, super excited. Next week, next week, we're going to talk about what happened after Peter caught the fish that continued to change his life. And I'm going to be able to give you some updates on our facility that we're um, aggressively trying to get um, designed and moved into and some paint, some carpet, and all that stuff. So I want to thank you for those of you that have been praying. I want to say thank you to those of you that have been giving. It's making a difference. It's going to continue to make a difference. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. I believe the best really is yet to come.